Hi, this is Allison Post, and today we'll be mapping COVID-19 stress-related self-support on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on how to use the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. This episode is part of our COVID-19 special edition. As I noted in previous special edition releases, I recently heard one of my full-body systems students refer to the COVID-15 as the weight that people are gaining as they are sheltering in place. I'm hoping that for you, we can replace that 15 with these 15 minutes or so, minutes that fuel your personal and professional health, well-being, and even messaging to your own communities. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with my friend, Allison Post. Allison Post is an integrative medicine health coach and somatic educator. You can learn more about Allison and her work on two of our previous podcasts, episode number 70, where Allison maps breath, and episode number 114, where Allison maps touch. Both episodes are great to tune into after you listen to this special edition where we map COVID-19 stress-related self-support. Let's dive in and consider how we can support those who need it most and even those who are in an anxiety-related loop that just won't quit. Allison, welcome back to the 15-Minute Matrix during this highly unusual time. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here for you and for everybody listening. Allison, I couldn't think of anybody better to talk to about stress reduction and self-support. There's so much we can be doing right now to support our own bodies, but also to be extending support out into our communities. Yes, agreed, 100%. I spoke to Dr. Mansoor Mohammed about the ripple effect from the coronavirus and this pandemic, and we really identified that this whole situation, whether we get COVID-19 or not, is going to have a ripple effect. There are going to be downstream impacts. So we know that the pandemic is a trigger, and yet we have to remember that we have mediators to all of our triggers. So today you and I are going to be focusing on those mediators and how we can bring self-touch, breathing, all the things that you speak to so beautifully into our practices, again, for ourselves and for our practitioners. So in terms of illuminating where we can be starting with these practices, what comes to mind for you? I think the first thing that comes to mind 
is our beautiful bodies that are actually taking a little bit of a back seat right now because mm. people are fearful. So many people are lonely, actually. They don't have a lot of ways to be with other people. So they're not feeling well in their bodies, but they're not paying that much attention. I see posts on Facebook. I have a lot of information coming in about, oh, I don't really care if I gain a lot of weight. I'm eating a lot of comfort food. I think people are self-soothing themselves mm -hmm. as much as they can. But I think what they don't realize, we as practitioners can help them realize, is that self-soothing has many different guises. We can use our breath, but not just by watching it or meditating. We can take a more active role and really feel inside of ourselves, feel the pace of the breath and engage in practices that will slow the breath down. Because right now, our heartbeats are going a little bit faster. We're in a little more right. hypervigilant. We can't help that. I don't care who we're talking about. This is the global pandemic. So we're feeling each other outside of our own skin. So how do we slow it down? There are lots of practices with your breath where you can breathe in to a count of four. You can hold to a count of seven. You can let the breath out to a count of eight. I just like to not put too much of a boundary on that. I like people to feel their breath. How much can they breathe in? Can they pause at the top of their breath for a second or two and feel the inspiration, feel what their ribcage feels like in that breath, what their fingers and toes feel like, that they have a body in that inspiration? And then exhale completely. Let the mouth open, let the throat relax. Feel your back against the surface that I would love you to be lying on instead of sitting up just to really relax your body. And then rest at the bottom of your breath. Can you do that? That's the scary part when we're in hypervigilance. Rest, no, I have to be on alert. Can you right. allow yourself that second or two seconds or however long to feel the depths of your relaxation, to allow your musculature to let go a little bit, just as much as you can, so that the next inspiration, it might be a little deeper. The pause might be a little more wide, and then the exhale then can even be longer, and the rest can be better. And what does this do for us? It allows us to have a rest, digest, repair, response coming back online. I love to start people there with really relaxing their breath. So important because what you're talking about takes us out of this sympathetic mode we're in right now. And like you said, it's global. Like we're feeling the sympathy. We're leaning forward into the news, into the media, into the stories. And we're not necessarily taking that time to, I always move my body back against the ground or the chair, like you're saying, that parasympathetic that allows us to rest and digest, that allows allows our immune system to work, that allows us to heal. And I know you bring these things together so beautifully with the connection between the breath and the touch and our digestive function, which is so important right now. So are you hearing people having an increase in digestive Absolutely. distress? I hear that a lot. Um, first of all, because a lot of people are self-soothing, 
thing. And they're eating more foods, lots of foods. Um, even right. There are even some great writers writing about first you eat and then you do this and then you eat. I mean, I think we're eating and reaching for those things um, more than usual. I think we can reach for other things. We can reach for our breath. And I think people are experiencing more digestive complaints as a result. Lots of gas, unfortunately, speeded up digestion or slowed down transit times. So I am guiding them, as I always do, no matter what, into using that breath, but also using their self-touch. Or if they're in a family situation, working with each other. If you're not by yourself, this is an opportunity to do what many, many generations of other traditions have done. They teach each other massage and it's passed down from grandma to child. So we can work on our own bellies in such a lovely, gentle way just by taking our hands and putting them on our belly and first feeling that breath, touching into that breath so that it becomes tissue-wide, body-wide. And as the breath relaxes, we can start just working with the very surface of our skin and just kneading gently, almost like a cat would do, you know, opposite hands, fingers, really gently, softly, with not a lot of effort or muscle tension, just with motion to kind of create a peristaltic-like action that will help the digestion move, that will help help the skin on the surface detoxify so that we can soften in the deeper layers in the belly. And we can even bring that up to the chest so that in between the ribs, we can work in those intercostal muscles in that kneading cat-like way to relax our chest, relax, allow the grief to move through, which I think is also a big thing that's happening for people. So just allow our chest to relax, allow our bellies to relax. And then through that, we can return to some digestion that supports us. So important as well. I mean, we're seeing that people are engaging in behaviors that are impacting the normal body functions. And there's ironies in that, in that it really does impair the body's ability to do and focus on what it needs to focus on right now, which is a tremendous amount of resilience, whether we think about it immunologically or not. You know, Allison, I've been thinking a lot about Isamu's journey, my husband's journey, and this is very poignant to bring up with you. And I bring it up with you now because you work with people who regularly face unknowns. And not all of us have what I'm going to call the opportunity to do that. But people with cancer, as an example, are faced with unknowns every day. They're living in something akin to what we are all living in now. And I'm wondering if there are certain approaches or techniques to the stress of not knowing what tomorrow brings that you've found most helpful in speaking to your client population. Yeah, that's a beautiful question. You know, I do deal with that. And we Really, we never know. Cancer, scar tissue, things that have happened to most of us, or at least our loved ones. I think these are opportunities for understanding that we don't ever know. We'd like to pretend we know, right? Like this is a such a heightened sense for us. I always joke, how many times do I need to be reminded that I actually don't get to control the outcomes? And the answer to that is every day. 
I need to be reminded of that every day because it's truth. Absolutely. And I forget. And that is part of our resilience though, isn't it? The resilience of that we don't have to think about every day that we're on our tippy toes and that we don't know what's going to happen. That's what gets us through. So I think we need to combine things. We don't want to think about it all the time. Even when we are faced with cancer, first of all, when we're faced with things that could take our life and we don't know when that's going to happen, we do want to surround ourselves with joy Yes, as much as possible, whether that means the laughter of a loved one. And in a time like this in particular, seeing somebody's face, smile, listening to voices of laughter of people that you want to hear, I think connecting with people is of utmost importance. But being listened to and heard, I find that my clients need that now more than ever. Because of course, I have a one-on-one practice normally people come to visit me well I have closed that down Mm -hmm. because we're sheltering in place but people are still connecting with me online and I'm leading them through practices but also they're seeing my smile and they're hearing my voice and that is something that soothes us that is something no matter what we're faced with Isamo had you and young baby right there there's the joy of knowing that in this moment there is something there are the birds that are giving us concerts right now if we can hear out our window there are the flowers that are blooming we can keep seeing what's in front of us what's around us whether we're isolated right now on our own in our home or we're surrounded by our families where's the joy where's the growth Where's the possibilities that once we move through things, because nothing stays the same. I think we have to remember that whether it's a disease state we're experiencing, it doesn't mean it's going to get worse. It could get better. Everything changes every moment of every day. So how can we contribute to that change? Is it with laughter? Is it with self-touch? Is it with slowing down our breath? Is it with calling our best friend and remembering something that just cracks us? up. I give Stephen a concert every day. I get my guitar out and sing him songs. And mm, love that. Yeah, it's like, what can we do to make this moment worth the joy, the happiness that will contribute to the immunity? Because that's where our immune system really thrives. So true. If we think about those who may be listening, whether you're a coach or clinician yourself, or you're looking to help your community come into their joy, their laughter, what about the people who can't find that? They're in the state of anxiety. I read some posts from people who suffer from anxiety saying, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and you're worried about it all the time. Welcome to my world, right? So people who live with anxiety all the time and that number is going to increase now. How do we speak to, again, either ourselves or our communities about the inability to hear the joy, hear the birds, hear the laughter, engage in it when everything just feels impossible right now in terms of stress reduction? I I really hear this. And I have to say, as a joy bubble who wakes up in a good mood most (laughs) days. Love that about you. I mean, I have those moments, though, when it becomes so overwhelming that I feel like, oh, my God, there's nothing. Right. And I know 
people from my own family and from the people that I work with that can't. But I really believe that we have to summon up the support. Is there an answer for that question you're asking me? That is a tough one. But I do believe that the people that are overwhelmed with anxiety need help and support. This is what we are as human beings. We're in relationship with each other. We need to know how can we help those people that we know might be in that situation. Like I have been making writing emails to clients who haven't contacted me just to check in on them because I know that they get into those states. I reach out to them and I want them to know, you know, I'm here for you. I sent out a newsletter saying I have free of charge consultations for anybody that needs me now because people do get into that state and it's only a kind voice. It's only somebody reaching out to them that will actually help them. And then for them to just be able to unload, we need to listen to people. We, we don't always have to come up with, okay, you can do this and you can eat this and you can massage yourself. Right. I will just let you feel yourself. And then maybe after you've unloaded, we can do a little dance together. <laughs> we can, mm. we, because you've expressed it, we can shake it off your hands. We can stamp our feet and let us know that emotions move through the body if they're allowed to express themselves. But so many people, they don't have the ability to express themselves or they're being quieted down instead of letting their feelings run. We, we do have our feelings. I don't know if that answers your question. It definitely answers the question, Allison. And I think that, you know, I'm like you, I wouldn't say I'm an optimist, but I tend to lean more towards joy than anxiety or depression. And what helps me is always a kind of reframe. If I can reframe the situation, it helps me to understand it better, which is where I really was looking at the circle of influence. I have no control. I have too much concern, but I do have influence. And what can I do in my area of influence? And what you're saying is that baseline, what we can do is express our truth. And we as coaches and clinicians need to make space for people to express their truth, not to band-aid over it. Yes, we can make the how now recommendations, drink a green smoothie, get to sleep, do your breath work. All of these things are great recommendations and we have to really sit with where people are and allow it to be expressed as opposed to suppressed. And that's gonna allow us to get to that core and reduce the impact of the trigger. So I think you said it beautifully. And I think that this is something I'm really being a stand for right now in our communities, Allison, of coaches and clinicians saying, offer your services as you are doing. We are doing this offering free nutrition counseling, group counseling twice a week. People can just show up. They can call in with their questions. We are answering questions as quickly as we can. We cannot be medical doctors, but we can fill this gap that helps people stay out 
of the medical and healthcare systems that are meant to deal with the people who are sick. So I just want to kind of underscore and applaud what you're doing and say, you said it beautifully. We have to listen. And I think the opportunity here is that this will pass. I think it will pass. And I'm hoping this brings us into a new normal, quote unquote normal, that will be better, that we will have a deeper understanding as to what people need, as to how we can set up systems in our world that actually work and support people and don't exclude groups of people. So I do think that this is an opportunity for practitioners in particular to realize that we can be there for people to fully listen a thousand percent without having an agenda, without always having a program for them to follow, because everybody is so individual. And we're seeing that now more than ever. And I believe we can walk into a better world as a result of what's happening now. I'm hoping for that, I have to say. Allison, I feel better every time I have the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you for bringing your wisdom and your calm and the reminder to breathe, to relax, and to listen. My pleasure, sweetie. Always my pleasure to be with you. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The 15-Minute Matrix team includes music by my son, Gilbert Nakayama, production support from Renee Hunt, Natalie Merrill, and Christine Shook, and sound production by Rowan Bradley. You can visit us and hear more episodes at 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified each time there's a new podcast episode ready and waiting for you, please go to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. We'll drop into your inbox with a short reminder that a new episode is ready for you. You also have an open invitation to email us. I'd love to know who you'd like to hear on the podcast and what you'd like to see mapped on the 15 minute matrix. You can email us with your thoughts at ask at 15 minute matrix.com. 